Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Air Scandal K12 Curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, and lame learning products and teachers who are way too cool for school. This curriculum may contain references and potential descriptions of crimes against minors in the field of education. Listener discretion is always advised. Now stop doing the dishes, close that spreadsheet, take out a pen and paper since this is a podcast you have to listen to. It is time for morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the fighting rats. Go rats! Let us all stand for the lunchtime anthem. Mess call. Thanks, K-12 Glee Club. You really outdid yourselves there. See you at drama practice. Remember to get your parents or guardians to sign a permission slip for the school rendition of Caligula, the musical. We're going to get real 1970s after school. Oh, yeah. Today is a special holiday announcement for Scandal.K12.us students. When we think of the holiday table, we think of a large meal that took an entire day to carefully prepare. We tuck it in. Our tables and sweatpants overflowing from so much figgy pudding, but it is only fitting that during this time of excess, we devote some time away from the reheated Boston Market meals on the paper plates, the turkey Grandma made that is overdone on one side and raw on the other, to consider those tireless heroes who feed our nation's children when they attend in-person schooling, which we used to just call school before 2020. We are, of course, today speaking of school cafeteria workers known culturally as lunch ladies. He always enjoyed looking at the good food in the cafeteria. It tasted good and was good for him, too. Instead of having a sandwich today, Phil decided to take the hot lunch. Phil took some bread and butter, too, and he knew what else he wanted, milk. The world of the school cafeteria is a storied one in our popular media. The cafeteria is a space of bullies. Milk we spilt on the floor and then slipped in in front of our school crush. School tables we weren't invited to join. Goth tables we were unable to join. And those tables you sat at where you really didn't notice who you were sitting next to because you had only 20 minutes to toss some food down your throat before being bored to death preparing for a state exam. We are going to examine all things school lunch related in an episode we're calling scandal.k12.us forward slash kpduty. Now perhaps you had a favorite school meal? Cheesy something with bread and a protein perhaps? Well, stick with us to the end of this announcement since we're going to give a recipe sure to bring back memories. And trigger warning, we're going to bring back school lunch memories. Anyway, let's get going. First, let's dispel some myths about the school cafeteria. According to popular media, other developed nations feed their whelps on fancy vegetables, low-fat proteins, and the best food made from the finest ingredients from immaculate school kitchens by doctors. According to this narrative, we troglodytes in the United States serve our live young irradiated meats, fried foods, pizza-like substances, processed cheese products, chicken tenders that resemble hockey pucks, fish sticks that are more stick than fish, and all of which is heated up and served by people who can pass a basic food safety course and background check, but couldn't make burnt toast if they tried. Two slices of toast are neatly arranged on each plate, and the filling, or perhaps we should say covering, goes on top. As we said, there are sandwiches and sandwiches. 
Unfortunately, like memory, popular media gets as fuzzy as a peach left out on the top of a fridge for a week. We hate to educate before we titillate, but that's kind of our wheelhouse here at Scandal.K12.us, so let's get some information. While the mainstream liberal media may get UFO conspiracies, the iPhone obsolescence plan, and Wolf Blitzer right, our fourth estate is not always spot on when it comes to gastronomic offerings of public schools in the United States. It turns out American school lunchrooms are far more complicated and diverse a matter than may be contained in a few memes, some shocking headlines on listicles, and an out-of-date lunch lady character on the already stale 32nd season of The Simpsons. Please, Simpsons, go into retirement. The common story that appears in the media from time to time is a collection of high-resolution pictures of foreign school lunches served on a platter of hand-carved cocobolo wood consisting of Ortolan buntings drenched in armagnac, liver pate of fugu, katsu marzu on melba toast, and balut on the half shell. These dishes are then compared to American school lunches offered on polyvinyl chloride trays that consist of pink slime in the shape of hot dog slices, spray-on sweetened cream cheese, and canned wax beans taken from Ted Kaczynski's cabin. It turns out that many of these photos originated from either a news outlet or were representative of the pinnacle of a certain country school meal, think private school, rather than what the rank-and-file students chow down on. As many of us saw in 2015 listicles, these pictures were heated up on our social media again and again, and this was in 2015 before you decided to drop social media, so we know you saw these pictures that rather than being original pictures, many of these delicious snapshots of school yummies were actually mock-up lunches created by Sweetgreen, a fast-casual restaurant chain which also offers wellness workshops to children in various schools in the Northeast, according to Civil Eats, the brainchild media outlet of Naomi Starkman and Paula Crossfield, who met during the slow food movement and decided to create an alternative press for the, quote, collection of the finest in culinary prose from the previous year's books, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. The photo of an amazing Ukrainian lunch of fresh produce and meats is taken to task by a blog called whatsforschoollunch.blogspot.com, which doesn't seem to have been updated since 2016, but does show an actual typical meal of a Ukrainian student, which is dismal sausage slices, bland white pasta, and broth and bread. Now, what child doesn't like broth and bread? Even Oliver Twist wanted more gruel. First, there is the reality that many countries do not subsidize school lunches to their population. That means that families in many nations even developed ones, pick up the difference in cost. Case in point, Greece. According to Civil Eats, Greek schools, quote, do not offer subsidized cafeteria lunches. Students bring their own food or buy items from a cantina, with the cost often, quote, insurmountable for some families with little or no income. So that means that rather than the mock-up food tray created by the food stylist at Sweet Greens, little Yorgios goes hungry perhaps putting that sweet greens picture up as he sips on water and chews on gum. We also have delicious offerings of schools in France, and while parents pay for lunch depending on their salary, much of the food is subsidized, meaning it generally is of higher quality, but also is paid for by the government. School lunch is important in France for a number of reasons. First, there is a cultural element that cannot be dismissed and drives national investment into the program. 
According to the doctorate dissertation from perhaps the now Ph.D. Rossan Maxwell in the British Journal of Sociology 2019, Volume 70, Issue 4, titled Everyone Deserves Quiche, French School Lunch Programs in National Culture in a Globalized World. Quote, French school lunch programs are part of the nation-building process because they are designed to teach students how to eat, which is especially important in France, where the art of gastronomy is a key source of identity and pride. Well, we have to remember that France, as a nation, grew wealthy by colonizing the very people they now serve quiche to. It has a robust lunch program, and they tend to invest more than many other countries and also ask families to pay more. Depending on the family income, that might be between 4 and 8 euro per meal in 2020 prices, which in U.S. dollars is $4.86 to $8.51 a day, or $874 to $1,531 a year, assuming a 180-day American school year. The government also, as we said, subsidizes all food, not just that that they serve to low-income students. This makes sure that produce comes from 20 or 30 kilometers away and at least 50% is sustainable. Now, these numbers are going to change depending on the region because regions set much of the details of the food program, but you get the picture. If fresh cheese turkey cooked in the school kitchen, fruit from a farm just outside the city, and holiday cake are not what you want for little Jacques, there are other options. You may want to pack a little brown bag of lunch for little Pierre of Mountain Dew Baja Blast Freeze, cheesy Gordita Crunch, and a few Cinnabons. However, quote, whilst it's not obligatory for your child to receive a school lunch, there is normally no provision made on the school premises for children to eat food prepared at home, So children have to come home to eat, according to a real estate blog for potential patriots who are thinking of becoming cheese-eating surrender monkeys. We do have to remember that in France, there is a greater percentage of one parent being at home than the United States if we remove American parents who are home due to unemployment and or disability, which means that France is very much a laissez-le-castor, or leave-it-to-beaver nation, if leave-it-to-beaver was a socialist-leaning republic. Turns out that even working parents get a full hour off each day that they typically take at home. They work a maximum of 35 hours a week, and students get a lunch recess that can last two hours a day, depending on the age of the students, which does allow for more time to eat, play, and perhaps think about poetry or whatever French kids do. While the Republic has always thought of lunch as part of the education and national identity, as well as has paid for the poorer students to enjoy some level of decency, there is still inequality in the Republic, and this is shown up in the lunchroom. After the French Yellow Jacket protests in 2018, the Republic moved to expand school meals to allow more diversity in the menu in order to represent other cultures. In 2019, under the direction of Emmanuel Macron, France expanded the program to provide 100,000 students with free breakfast and hopes to expand that program. This plan will cost France some money. It's 6 million euro in the first year of these 100,000 students, or in U.S. dollars, $72.96 a student were we to adopt such a program. Unfortunately, we have more students who could use a free meal than the French total output represents, and that does represent only 0.176% of the total number of all students in the United States who qualify for free or reduced lunch. If we were to feed our 30 million students who currently receive free or reduced lunch, it would be far more expensive than what France pays, and it would cost us $2,188,800,000. This sounds like a lot, but we are 
a much larger economy and to add another layer of context, perhaps a meal program such as France's would cost us 0.2910% of the current 2020 United States defense budget. And remember that defense department budget of $724 billion comes out of your taxes already. It would just divert some of the government money to buying food, not bombs. According to the website, healthy-food-choices-in-schools-extension.org, schooled cafeterias in the United States have it difficult. Imagine providing, quote, customers a complete five-component meal that consists of a meat entree, fruit, vegetable, whole grain item, and milk. Finally, imagine having only $2.93 to purchase these items necessary to provide the entire meal. And don't forget the other things you need to run your restaurant and prepare those meals, things like equipment, ovens, stoves, coolers, freezers, electricity, small wares, pots, pans, dishes, serving utensils, and all the wages and benefits of your staff. That is what school cafeterias all over the United States do each and every day. We can only guess that the number $2.93 is something that cannot be changed because we can't imagine a representative system put in place that would allow a school to spend more, increase the quality of the offers, or look at lunch as part of the educational process. Phil remembered to say thank you when he took the carton of milk. Phil had good manners. Phil didn't want to forget his dessert. The cake looked delicious. Now, this fixation on low-cost kibble and self-reliance may come from our lack of a national identity that doesn't include a art of gastronomy, as well as a hatred of any government that would help individuals rather than corporations. While we don't know how to make tete de vieux, we do know how to produce a lot of food in our farms and fields, and that just can't be left to the free market to decide what to do with it. Our farmers are so good at making food, there's often too much of it which drives prices down. So it is a good thing that our government helps the invisible hand of the market by buying up stuff in order to keep the prices inflated, which in 2019 was 12,000 gallons of milk a day paid for by the U.S. government, but dumped into pits, streams, or ponds so it didn't appear on shelves in your local publics, according to CNN, the white noise of airports the world over. While there are many different ways that the government can prop up consumer prices in our free market capitalist paradise, and some programs may set fire or dump produce in pits, but one program has sent surplus food food down the gullets of cherubic American children for almost 80 years. Signed into law in 1946 by President Harry S. Truman, the Richard B. Russell National School Lunch Program was intended to absorb farm surpluses after the war and maintain prices on the grocery store shelves. Now, let's remember the bill was named uh, not for the father, Richard B. Russell Sr., who was a Southern Democrat politician who was friendly with the Ku Klux Klan, but for the son, who was a traditional Southern Democrat politician and Jim Crow segregationist. Richard B. Russell Jr. was one of 15 children, but that is not why the bill carried his name. It was because he was friends with the racist but strangely progressive Lyndon B. Johnson, which was all it took to slap his name on a particular piece of legislation. While you think that nothing says besties forever than legislation named after you, the Johnson-Russell friendship was ultimately doomed by Johnson's support of civil rights, which led to the segregationist Russell to take his toys and go home, breaking off a 20-year friendship. 
The Southern Big D Democrat story aside, the Richard B. Russell National School Act is a long-standing piece of farm subsidy to cafeteria table legislation to which was added breakfast in 1966 under the Child Nutrition Act and then milk in 1954 under the Special Milk Program, all of which is now known as the National School Lunch Program or NSLP and is managed by the Food and Nutrition Services of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, who is the conduit for the over $8 billion the program receives from the federal government. While times have changed and Southern Democrats are today, for the most part, Republicans, the NSLP doesn't direct what the menu is for schools, but provides funding using general guidelines so that food servers and vendors and cafeterias can keep their meals healthy. Some of these guidelines include no more than 30% of the meal's calories may come from fat. Now, there's 13 grams of fat in the average hot dog. Less than 10% of the meal's calories may come from saturated fat. There are 3 grams of saturated fat in the average hot dog. Meals must provide one-third of the recommended dietary allowance of protein, vitamin A, vitamin C, iron, calcium, and calories. There are 5 grams of protein, no vitamin A or C, and 0.6 milligrams of iron, 51 milligrams of calcium, and 151 calories in the average hot dog. So you add a bun, some ketchup, which since 1981 has been classified as a vegetable, and a schmear or dab of relish, and maybe three more such hot dogs, and you have yourself a balanced meal in the eyes of the government. While the Department of Agriculture has some say in school lunch contents and defines who can receive such funding for free or reduced lunch, it is alleged that it is the school principal who is the master chef at the school and dictates the menu like a real-world rat from Ratatouille mastering the movements of just about every cog in the kitchen. One study by the Brookings Institute, the fourth estate of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who want to eat your children at Bohemian Grove, and the Lego Foundation, who want to apologize for all those painful moments you stepped on their toys, claims that it is the school principal who determines your kid's quote-unquote balanced diet, not any outside agency, policymakers, or researchers. According to the study, the school principal controls, quote, virtually all of the school-level differences in practice. And this means that schools can have a wildly differing meal schedule meal durations, as well as options within the same district. As with many elements of education in the United States, there is no common art of gastronomy nationally, by state, or turns out even by school district. Whatever is served for lunch, it also turns out that our nation's children are not the starving waifs of the, that once abounded the industrial schools of the 19th century or used as political talking points every two or four years, depending on the election cycle. In our nation of plenty, there are actually very few starving children, but there are a great number of children who consume unhealthy, sugar-injected, nitrate-laden, high-calorie foods and prefer these foods over other options since when did a pile of oversteamed, formerly frozen limp broccoli ever look better than a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos or an entire snack pack of Cheetos? While about 30 million students qualify for NSLP to receive free or reduced lunch, the kids often toss the majority of the food directly into the trash, opting for what is known as, quote, competitive foods, or in layperson's term, junk food bought on or off campus. According to a study in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, American students receiving NSLP support toss into the trash roughly $1,238,846,000 worth of food annually. To put this waste in perspective, 
And in junk food terms, this is 4,129,488,000 Twinkies if you bought them from Walmart. To put a more scientific spin on it, according to Egon Spengler of Ghostbusters, if a, quote, Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychonetic energy in the New York area, the Ghostbusters Twinkie would have been 35 feet long and weighed 600 pounds. But if we took the psychonetic energy representing the total food waste by students and put it in Twinkie form, it would be a Twinkie that weighs 184 million pounds, and if set end-to-end, would create a cream-filled rope 1.6 billion miles that could reach Uranus. We mean the actual planet Uranus. Whatever the politics and policies, both national and international, there's a list of lunch professionals that need to be recognized on this show. The second half of tonight's reading will resume... We would like to recognize our first food service employee of the day. A cafeteria manager at Croft Middle School in South Nashville is indeed a Croft superstar and has been placed on administrative leave amid allegations she pulled a pistol during a road rage incident earlier this week. Jasmine London was placed on administrative leave when she allegedly pulled a gun on another lady during a traffic accident. According to WKRN.com, Nashville's only WKRN station delivering Baby Daddy and Baby Mama drama since November 29, 1953. London claims she actually pulled out an iPhone. But considering the updates to iPhones we have to constantly make, often without our approval, she may have inadvertently installed a gun app. Although police searched her person and her car, no gun was found. Nevertheless, either because of, quote, inconsistencies in her story or systemic racism, London was arrested and charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Next up, a shout out to family. Now nothing says family like sisters sticking together and nothing says crime family like two sisters pulling off a five-year heist by cooking the books alongside the boiled dinner they slung into the plates of students. Joanne Pascarelli, 61, and her sister Maria Wilson, 67, are Saxy ladies who worked at the Saxe Middle School in New Canaan, Connecticut, located between the Secret Ingredient Girls and Weed Street. They are both charged with larceny and defrauding the public community for allegedly stealing $478,588 from the school. According to USA Today, the CNN of newspapers since you only see it at hotels when you're lonely and sad. While pocketing the moist, crumpled lunch money of snot-nosed students may have been going on for 15 years, the only crime they can charge them with ranges from the years 2013 to 2016. It turns out that in 2016, the school installed new financial software, perhaps upgrading from VisiCal to Lotus123, and once the software was installed, they didn't have to rely on Joanne and Marie counting the daily take, and daily deposits skyrocketed up more than triple the amount that had previously been taken in. The two sisters seem to have been skimming more than 2% milk off the top of school lunch numbers over the years, and perhaps that allowed them to live closer to the school in New Canaan, where a house can go for $5 million and rentals are as expensive as the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Now these sisters may seem mere pikers compared to Brenda Watts of Georgia. 
According to BusinessInsider.com, the lunch lady, Brenda Watts, was accused of stealing roughly $500 a day from North Spring High School in Fulton County, a wealthy suburb of Atlanta. According to Business Insider, a side hustle of Jeffrey Bezos, this scam would have made over a million dollars over 15 years. So the key word here, students, is would have, since, according to Business Insider, this scam would have made more than a million for Brenda since the news outlet projected the timeline a little bit into the past. Rather than focusing on the actual crime she's accused and ultimately convicted of, of which was $120,000, they assumed that they had to extend her criminal career. Now, for most of us, $120,000 is a large number to skim off for staff who handled a cash-only lunchroom with no oversight, but it seems the editors over that Business Insider needed more fodder to juice up the clickbait. And maybe we here can get in on the sensationalist action. So let's do that again. According to Scandal.K12.US.com, the lunch lady Brenda Watts was accused of stealing roughly $500 a day from North Spring High School in Fulton County, a wealthy suburb of Atlanta. She would have stood to make $9 trillion if she stole money over 100 million years. Wow, that felt so good. We can see why that's addictive. While in hyperbolic hypermode, let's look at some of Jeff Bezos' work and to put all this in perspective. Since we like to project what criminals make, let's project what Jeffrey Bezos makes over a given amount of time. And according to Observer.com, he makes $149,353 a minute. Basically, what Brenda was convicted of stealing, Bezos makes in 48 seconds. Think about that, students. Don't be like Brenda taking $120,000 over five years be like Jeff. He made $448,059 while you listen to this story. Now, not every lunch lady steals money from the school. Some lunch ladies and gentlemen and non-gender conformists make sure the kids cough up the money they need in order to get microwave peanut butter and honey sandwiches boiled in milk. When these students don't have enough money to pay for lunch, many schools practice what is called lunch shaming. According to Nationswell.com, a new site that appears to not employ any unattractive people under 30 and also appears to have a CEO who is preternaturally attractive. I mean, look him up. His name is Greg Berman and his eyes are dreamy. Also, his father happens to have owned a $2 billion investment firm, so now he seems to dabble in journalism. But anyway, according to Nationswell, lunch ladies often print out neon negative balance receipts making them as a scarlet letter, or in this case, a neon letter. Many lunch ladies even threaten students with denial of lunch. According to Nationswell, lunch shaming disproportionately affects marginalized families and goes beyond just hurting a student's self-esteem. Missing meals hinders children's development and success, and for many low-income students, lunch might be their only meal of the day. While some districts have stopped lunch shaming, many districts continue to collect the money they are due, this can be as much as $3.41 a day or $1 billion over 5,555,550 years, if we just project the student scam a little bit into the future. In 2014, according to Xavier's dad, his child got a nasty note saying he had a negative lunch balance and was denied lunch. 
This was itself denied by the school, Cascade View Elementary, a 20-minute drive south of Seattle proper, quote, Whenever a student's account is a negative $20 or more, the child gets a cheese sandwich and unlimited fruits and veggies from the salad bar, along with a drink. Which sounds like the greatest meal ever, unless you've seen veggies and salad at an elementary school, which makes those at the Ponderosa All-You-Can-Eat Buffet seem like top shelf from Zabar's groceries. Also, R.I.P. Ponderosa. This is not the only account of lunch issues when they owe the school money. According to NBCNews.com, NBC's most online, quote, peacock brand of news, reports that a student had a, quote, hot lunch that included cheese sticks and sauce at Green Primary School in Uniontown was taken away from him because the boy owed the school $9.75, or what Jeff Bezos makes in one millisecond. And hot meals are for closers. When the school was reached, a spokesperson for the school told NBC News that they replaced the hot meal with, quote, a cheese sandwich, a side dish, and a serving of milk to drink. Because we all know there's no better replacement for a hot meal than cold, dead government cheese. But actually, ask an older, poor person. Those boxes of government cheese were delicious back in the day. Or maybe we're all just hungry. Lunch caused a lot of upset stomachs at the school in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where the school board proposed to give students who owe more than $20, or 3.5 milliseconds of Jeffrey Bezos' wealth, tuna fish sandwiches rather than hot meals, and don't imagine one of those sandwiches you find at a cafe that makes avocado toast and serves crispy, fresh, everything bagels. Think tuna that was stuck in a tin can back in 1978, served on a slice of that Wonder Bread that your science teacher has on top of the fridge for five years as part of a, quote, experiment, and all matched together with an unhealthy dollop of what legally can be called mayonnaise. As you know, students, lunch has always been political, and our fledgling nation continues to look for a common approach to the subject. A John Reagan, a Republican from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, passed an amendment allowing schools to, quote, prohibit high school students with jobs from participating in activities or graduating unless they first pay off their lunch debt in order to cheese off local Democrats. Reagan recommends that parents need to pay the school bill before their spawn can graduate, asking, quote, when are we going to start teaching personal responsibility to the parents? Someone has to be accountable. Someone has to be accountable for this. But not having accountability, we continue to teach our children not to have responsibility. As the scripture says, we're always going to have poor. We're always going to have people in need. And that is damn right. Scripture said, quote, And if thou cannot afford thy lunch payment, thou shalt get government cheese betwixt bread, because there's nothing communist about subsidizing dairy production in this, even if the milk is dumped in rivers, but giving a child free food offends the God of the markets. So saith the gospel, according to Jeff Bezos, chapter 1, stanza 35 to 40. It's a different story for Bonnie Kimball, formerly of Mascoma Valley Regional High School in Canaan, New Hampshire. Now, that's no relation to New Canaan, Connecticut, where the medium income in Connecticut is $180,000, or 88% higher than that of Canaan, New Hampshire. Kimball made the national news and the press for having been terminated by the school's food service subcontractor for allowing a child to miss an $8 payment and still receive a hot meal. While initially Fresh Picks Cafe was criticized by the press and the Twittersphere for firing Kimball, it took little time for the story to turn around and the New Hampshire Union Leader, number one newspaper for anti-union sentiment, reported that Kimball had lied about her story of generosity. 
the parent of the child who received the quote-unquote free lunch, said that the teenager received free food from Kimball for three months, not just one meal, and that she tried to cover it up and allegedly sent the student a Facebook message stating, quote, We will probably get written up, but we can make it look good. LOL. The student's mother told the union leader that she did not know why Kimball was giving her son free food, quote, We have nothing to do with her outside of the school system, she told the paper, perhaps chewing a mouthful of 7-Eleven buffalo chicken rollers. Kimball rejected the student's mother's claim of a cover-up, the union leader reported, but the Macbeth weird sisters of the social media world had already cast a die and Kimball went from a media hero with a funded GoFundMe campaign offer to restore her job at the school and celebrity notoriety to a zero. The student's parents further tossed her under the school bus, claiming perhaps that she downed a plate of loaded Doritos. I have three children. They're all well cared for and well fed. She did not get fired for feeding a hungry child. Fresh Picks Cafe Services rescinded the initial offer to rehire Kimball. The school district repudiated her story and eventually the press turned on her, salting the digital earth until even the slightest mention of Bonnie Kimball can get you one Michelin rating star. With the full repudiation by the district and their honor restored, the parent vindicated for feeding her children, Fresh Picks Cafe returned to business as usual with revenue of $1.1 million creating lunch options for schools in New England Fresh Picks Meals do get a one-star on Google. Mascoma Valley Regional High School also gets a one-star on SchoolDigger.com. And the parent perhaps gets one star just to keep up with the theme. But despite their low ratings, they all lived happily ever after. Eileen <coughs> Bowden, an Idaho lunch lady, claimed she was fired for giving a free hot meal to a hungry student. According to ABCNewsGo.com, the most go of ABC News. Bowden worked at Irving Middle School in Idaho for years until she gave a middle school student a free hot meal allegedly worth $1.70, which she offered to pay to her boss when she was found out. Nevertheless, for about $2, if we round up, she was fired due to, quote, theft stealing from the school district or another's property and inaccurate transactions when ordering, receiving, and serving food. Since children who cannot afford lunch are, as we have mentioned many times before, not given hot food, but must eat a cheese sandwich that is provided, perhaps the same cheese sandwich that's been passed about school districts just like this for the same reason since 1978 as a placeholder for actual food. Unlike the previous story, Miss Bowden did not get an offer to return to work and was left unemployed even after 50,000 signatures in support of her reinstatement poured in from all over the world. Quote, I love my job and I would have accepted if they would have offered me back the position at Irving. Bowden said, even though she voiced concern that she'd be, quote, walking on eggshells with the school district. What do I do next time a child is hungry? She asked. According to the Idaho State Journal, the controversy and attention weighed heavy on Bowden, impacting her health and tore her family apart. It seems after she was fired, Bowden's niece set up a GoFundMe. Since in the United States, GoFundMe is the social safety net for everything from funeral costs to cancer treatment. But unlike a social safety net managed by the state and professionals, the niece refused to pass the money on to Bowden. Without regular employment and in poor health, at 53 years of age, she died from an undisclosed illness. Her hospice staff said Bowden worked on and off at the office bar and grill in downtown Pocadello, Idaho, which is just as depressing a place as the rest of the story. Definitely go look it up. Google it. It's 251 East Center Street, Pocatello, Idaho, 83210. 
Anyway, hospice staff also said she would be remembered as a woman who, quote, loved working as a lunch lady and as a cook at the office bar and grill. She loved to cook and made many meals for her mom, sisters, friends, daughters, and grandchildren. While the donations didn't seem to get to her to help her, Bowden's action did lead to international support of local students in need, and a fund was set up so that no American child in Pocatello, Idaho, has to go hungry. She is survived by a son and daughter who asked that financial contributions go to the family in lieu of flowers, and she was cremated without a ceremony. A life well-lived doesn't always leave behind financial wealth, but those small acts of kindness are remembered. We wish Miss Bowden's family well and wish the lunch ladies, gentlemen, and those who do not identify as such, but work long hours for short pay, ensuring that our youth are fed, even it is to suck upon hard tack and salt pork at the discretion of the CEO of the school, the principal, and the Lego Foundation. We want to leave you this holiday time with a recipe that may bring back old school memories. 4.5 ounces dried beef from a can, 2 cups milk from a plastic jug, 2 tablespoons butter from a tub, 1 fourth cup flour from a bag, salt and pepper from a souvenir set from south of the border that's now considered racist, 6 slices of bread from on top of your science teacher's fridge. Rinse dried beef under cold water to remove excess salt, pat dry, rip up in smaller pieces without washing your hands. Melt butter in a pan or just reheat the pan on the back burner. We're sure the butter is still good in there. Add dried beef. Cook 2-3 minutes until brown or until just a little smoke is coming up from the edge of the pan. Add flour and mix with the dried beef. It'll look pretty dry but will smoke just enough to set off the fire detector you totally thought you disabled when you pulled out the batteries last Christmas. Add the milk. Salt and pepper. Bring to a boil. Add remaining milk. Thin to your desired likeness. Serve over toast. This recipe is known as chip beef but also known as shit on a shingle because this is America and we want our hot meals to look like duty. Also, since this is a hot meal, do not serve to a child that owes you money or looks poor. That child gets a cheese sandwich. Right now, that cheese sandwich is currently traveling the nation like Hitchpot and we're currently told it's located in Philadelphia. Just send up the cheese sandwich signal and they'll send it to you. That is, if the good people of Philly haven't kicked the crap out of it the way they done did the Hitchpot. As we've heard, it turns out that school lunch is a complicated matter. We will look again into this profession for future episodes. If you have a gastronomic story of school you wish to share or some information you want us to pass on, let us know at scandalk12us at gmail.com. With the holiday break coming up, we'll also be taking a break as this episode marks the end of Season 1. In Season 1, we produced almost six hours of original podcast content. If you listen to all the episodes, Jeff Bezos made about $73.7 million in the amount of time you wasted listening to this. Just something to think about. Season 2, we're going to kick off in 2021. This is going to be a hella good season. We're going to bang the gong with K-12, kick about, amplify education, punch Atlanta public schools, and take a bite out of crime by looking at school safety officers. Scandal.k12.us has received many tips from listeners and a few strangers and we'll be evaluating them to add episodes to the new season that'll sure to be jam-packed with educational scandals. We'd like to thank our listeners, our sources, subscribers, our supporters on Patreon, and for those who have reviewed us on iTunes or iPodcasts or whatever they're calling it. I know every podcast says 
They can't do it without you. But for this one, we really mean it. We cannot do it without you. As always, we'll be listing primary sources on the websites, www.scandalk12us.com. Free Sound has been allowing us to add a soundscape through all our episodes. Definitely keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Perhaps donate to the cause. You can donate money or even a sound. Now remember, students, tell us and we forget. Teach us and we remember. Screw us over and you're on scandal.k12.us. Class dismissed.